Welcome to Streaming Into the Void, where we discuss all the streaming news for the week ending September 17th, 2022. This week has Bob Chappick's redemption arc begun. I'm Kim Hollis, wishing Streaming Into the Void's David Mumpower a monumentally happy birthday. Happy birthday, David. Yay. Hooray. I didn't die this year. That's all that matters. (laughs) (laughs) Also, Tim Brighty, content creator and gamer, celebrating shiny new phone day. Uh, In in honor of David's birthday, apparently. By the time you hear this, I will have a shiny brand new phone. Hooray. (laughs) Yay. Also, David Mumpower, author of Behind the Ride, streaming media analyst, and someone trying to talk Kim into buying another video game console we'd never have time to use. It emulates games. We can play Eternal (laughs) Darkness whenever we wanted. We can play Eternal Darkness whenever we want now. On a GameCube? Yeah. How have they not remade that for modern systems? Like the people who don't know the gimmick, just losing their mind on Twitch would be just absolutely outstanding. Amazing. Yes. And the podcast is produced and edited by Raul Burial, who is boarding a plane in 24 hours. I'm feeling pretty zen at the idea that I may be recording a podcast at 2 a.m. next week. <laughs> <laughs> In our deep dive, we recap Disney's big week as former CEO Bob Iger was pronouncing the death of old media. New CEO Bob Chappick was riding high following the second annual Disney Plus Day and presenting a show of force at the D23 Expo. Chappick sure looked relaxed. He was sporting a new beard and he looked like a guy who might have had the Imagineers cover his office carpet in sand and come into work barefoot. But David, is all this just like misdirection? Is Disney trying to distract from any bad news? Is there any bad news? Are there dark clouds on the horizon or is Disney justified in their confidence? I would describe D23 as very successful. And I actually wrote about this a few times this week because Bob Chappick did something he really hasn't done much. And that's he kind of went on a mini interview tour. And the reason why was he realized that during D23, he couldn't hide in the shadows. The more he stayed away, the more people are going to talk about him. So he took the opposite approach, which was the correct approach. He went out there, got his face out there and said, ask me anything. I'll be happy to answer. Now, when he answers, he's a chilling robot, not unlike Bender, and that he doesn't care about human existence at (laughs) all, just the numbers being larger on the bank accounts. But what he did here was very effective. Kim and I have talked about this quite a bit. Kim, you thought he was like an entirely new person this week, didn't you? He seemed like he had a weight off his shoulders, maybe. As Raul said, the beard kind of gives him a more relaxed feel. It's weird. See, Kim knows all too well. A man can hide a lot when he wears a beard. We're... (laughs) We're talking about something fascinating right now because Disney was up and then they were way down and then they were up again. And now they've kind of hovered that stock price right now is 108. It's kind of been in the 110 range recently. It had been as high as 118 after the last earnings report. And this is kind of how the cycle works. Disney, when it announces its money, everybody loves them. And then when it's not announcing stuff, it kind of falls as people are just like, eh, it's a mature company. It's not going anywhere. There's no urgency. With D23, with Disney Plus Day, with all of these things, Disney is trying to recreate that urgency. It's trying to remind people we're here, we're incredible, love us. And I did think that D23 was a success in this regard. And Raul, if I remember correctly, you thought Disney hit on all 
cylinders, didn't you? Yeah, I don't know what people were necessarily expecting from D23, but they certainly came out with a lot to be proud of. As they were showing them in the expo hall, the trailers were coming out. We got a new trailer for Hocus Pocus 2, which was a delight. We finally got a trailer for Disenchanted, the sequel to the Amy Adams fairy tale movie Enchanted. We got a trailer to the upcoming Secret Invasion series on Disney Plus with Nick Fury. That one looked great. As a surprise, we got a trailer to something called Werewolf by Night, which is a Marvel series. It's apparently an upcoming horror special that's going to be coming to Disney+. Plus. Yeah, let's not oversell that. That's just a 25-minute video, but it is brilliant in that an Academy Award-winning musician, Michael Giacchino of The Incredibles, actually directing it. So we're watching one of those things, kind of like when Brad Bird went from animation to live action, where Giacchino is trying something and it could reap rewards, but it's just a little 20-minute thing. It was one of the least things, but it was also one of the most attention-grabbing, I would Mm -hmm. say. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We had uh, Harrison Ford come out on stage to talk about Indiana Jones. He seemed delighted to the verge of tears talking about it. So that that was very buzzworthy. And then maybe the the biggest event of D23 is they brought out the entire cast of the upcoming Marvel movie, The Thunderbolts, which actually brought out Florence Pugh as the new Black Widow. Uh, we got Bucky, the Winter Soldier on stage. We got a whole bunch of recurring Marvel characters on stage for one event promoting one movie. That was very impressive. Honestly, if you were attending D23, you probably got plenty to be excited about. That's where I stand on this entire conversation. The purpose of D23 is it's a Disney fan event and Disney fans were ecstatic. Now there are criticisms that are completely valid about it. The parks panel was a giant exercise in what if rather than here's what we're going to do. And that had to happen because Disney is still not ready to commit the financial resources to remake the parks. And honestly, I keep trying to tell people and they don't want to hear this. That's unlikely to change until something resolves with Hulu because as Raul has stressed many times, that's a $10 billion check Disney has to cut on top of the money they already owe for the Fox acquisition. So to a certain extent, Disney's finances are hamstrung right now. So they're frozen for another couple of years, but they continue to show this synergy machine that they have of just amazing stories that they can integrate in any number of ways. And it's an effective system that Chappick seems a lot more confident in running now than he did two years ago. In our rapid fire, Warner Brothers Discovery seems to be in a death spiral, but that may be intentional. As the bad news piles up, the perceptions that this company is not long for this world continue to mount. But that may all be part of the plan, as the latest speculation is that the Warner Brothers and Discovery merger was just an opening salvo that will result in a merger with Comcast's NBCU within two years. But how is that even possible when both companies are burdened with billions of dollars of debt? What? How? (laughs) What? This reminds me of when you can't pay off your current credit cards and rather than doing something about it, you open three more credit cards. (laughs) Yes, to to pay off that debt and then you fake your own death. (laughs) I don't think Warner Brothers Discovery is actually faking its own debt. (laughs) There's a perception in Hollywood where if you're doing poorly, 
the only way to get out of that perception is to be successful. And unfortunately for a company like Warner Brothers Discovery that honestly doesn't have a very strong slate of movies coming up, being successful is going to be challenging. It is a death spiral and it's hard to break out of, but we've seen it actually happen twice this year where JPEG at Disney was not having a very good, say, first three months of 2022. And then Disney came out with some very strong quarterly numbers and suddenly Chapek's contract got renewed and now he's like Mr. Happy, happy go lucky. And we saw it again with Netflix who had a bad quarter and everyone thought, oh, poor Netflix. They don't have any money anymore. In fact, they were making jokes about it at the Emmys last week and it sounded so tone deaf because by the time those jokes were said at the Emmys, Netflix had already turned the ship around and was back in the limelight because they had success. And in this case, it was Stranger Things. So you can definitely get out of that death spiral, but I don't see how Warner Brothers Discovery does it. Right now, all the news is bad or stupid or silly. I mean, one of the headlines that came out today is that Warner Brothers Discovery is moving ahead with a sequel to the movie Constantine that they made with Keanu Reeves 17 years ago. I don't think that there was that much demand for a sequel to Constantine, but hey, it's a movie with Keanu Reeves. And right now that's like printing money. So good for them. I happily would have taken a movie with Matt Ryan instead, but let's be honest, that's a difference in scale. You hire Matt Ryan to do a made-for-streaming title. You bring back Keanu Reeves because you know, no matter how stupid this sounds on paper, if you have a hot trailer and Keanu Reeves, it will make money. You're right, nobody wanted it, but we've got it, and I think it could do well. I mean, I don't object to it, but even as a huge comic book fan, I don't think I've ever seen the original Constantine movie. So I'm not necessarily all that excited about a sequel. But making the sequel essentially means that both the Madam X and the Constantine, or sometimes referred to as Justice League Dark series that were slated for HBO Max, now have been yanked from the streaming service or canceled, if you will. Both of those were in production at Bad Robot, the J.J. Abrams production house. So that's two more that J.J. Abrams has to scratch off his list. But apparently he got thrown a bone because Bad Robot gets to produce the Constantine movie. At this point, should we be wondering whether news is about to come out about J.J. Abrams? Because it sure seems like either he's on an epic run of bad luck or there's a lot of stuff happening internally there that just isn't getting reported yet. It feels like maybe he had bitten off more than he could chew. When you're getting this many projects canceled, you wonder just how many how many projects had you committed to in the first place. I think we need to see this play out. The fact that he gets to be a producer on the Constantine movie, assuming the Constantine movie happens, is good news for him. And let's remember that just because Madam X and Justice League Dark will not be on HBO Max doesn't mean they're not going to show up somewhere else. This is where the stupid comes in because Warner Brothers Discovery while not necessarily wanting to show these series, going back to say even that new Batman animated series on HBO Max, they are willing to see if somebody else wants to show that show on their streaming service. Now, I would argue that licensing out your content to another streamer is a stupid move because then eventually you build up a demand for a show and people are simply paying money on a monthly basis to another streamer to watch a show that you produced. The goal is to bring the content home to your own streaming service. 
like Paramount did with Criminal Minds, where they took it off Netflix and put it on Paramount Plus. So then you try to bring those viewers over to your streaming service. Instead, Warner Brothers Discovery is doing the opposite. It's boneheaded, but J.J. Abrams may still end up producing Justice League Dark. He still may end up producing Madame X. It's just not going to be on HBO Max. And just to top it all off for what it's worth, one more movie that was slated for HBO Max. This one's actually going to be going to theaters instead. And that's the third Magic Mike movie, Magic Mike's Last Dance. That was announced originally as an HBO Max movie. But I guess HBO Max figures they're going to find the marketing money and they're going to put it theatrically instead sometime in late 2023. You do have to wonder, though, at this point, what is the point of HBO Max? It's not necessarily the place for new content. It is the place for a lot of your old library content, The Sopranos, The Wire. The point of having fresh and new content on a streaming service is that you want to get those people to be paying you a regular monthly subscription. What's to keep you from subscribing for just a month, watching what you want, and then canceling that subscription for 11 months? The people running HBO Max Discovery right now could care less whether or not we do anything with them the next two years. They are just trying to cover the bills until it's someone else's headache. And so the decision making we're seeing here is not long term at all. It is borderline desperation. And that is impacting quality throughout. And you're right. There's just not the onus to watch these days. And that's especially true since Harley Quinn just ended My Heart is Broken. Well, at least you're going to get another season of Harley Quinn. So that's a good news. It sounds like that actually surprises the producers of the show as much as anyone. They <laughs> expected the, the call to be, oh, sorry, we're getting rid of you. And instead it was, we want another season. We can't wait for the other thing. And they're like, are you sure you had the right number? And are you still going to be gamefully employed next week? Because it's no take backs. You'll note I didn't say much about or anything for what it's worth of about the Comcast rumors. Right now, this is all speculative. I imagine there couldn't have been a lot of backroom dealing on this front. It might have been considered insider trading. But the idea of merging your company, Discovery, with another company, Warner Brothers, uh, with the intention of within a matter of months then selling it off. And we are talking about months because there was a, I believe a provision where you could not sell the company within 24 months after the purchase. And so the clock is ticking. We are now, I think at about 16 or 17 months away from when that sale can happen, but it is within a matter of months. The goal is to turn this around and then sell it to somebody else shortly after you merged your company with Warner Brothers. This idea seems convenient and I don't know how likely it is. I don't know that there truly was any such plan uh, or at least any such intentional plan. The folks at Comcast are deeply in debt, even more in debt than the folks at Warner Brothers Discovery. There are ways to sell one company to another without having any money exchanged. Essentially, you exchange shares. Here's a big chunk of stock in the company that you are selling your company to. And right now, the most likely candidate to buy Warner Brothers Discovery would probably be Comcast. But whether there really was some kind of secret plan or whether maybe that's just the hope of somebody remains to be determined. 
Yeah, and just to be clear on the numbers, because we do want to be specific here to show how insane this rumor is, there's a reason why Kim was scoffing at it and you heard it in her voice. And Kim is as professional as it comes. So if she is laughing at the idea of something, it literally fells laugh test. Comcast owes $175 billion as of its June 30th quarterly statement. $175 billion. And as we've previously mentioned on this podcast, currently HBO Max owes somewhere in the range of 52 or 54 billion dollars i'm not looking at the numbers right now but they owe 2 billion more than what their company is worth it is valued right in the 50 billion dollar range so when you add 50 billion and 175 billion and oh by the way in the process you kill an additional long standing studio thereby reducing the amount of competition in the industry making an oligopoly even smaller you have to go through fcc regulations for this stuff there is just <laughs> frankly this is an antitrust violation waiting to happen And there's just any number of reasons this doesn't make any sense. But, you know, there was the recent South Park thing with Butters where he said, we all know there's only going to be like three streaming services at most. (laughs) This would be that coming to fruition much sooner than any of us could have (laughs) realized because this basically takes, if you look at the meta of it, this is one of the most important stories we've ever tracked because it takes Peacock, Discovery, and HBO Max from 18 months ago and turns it into one thing which is mind-boggling. And over at Netflix, it's been announced that their next Tadam event has been scheduled for September 24th. Are we excited? Has anything exciting come from these things before? <laughs> They've only done one other one. And I believe in the first round of layoffs they did at Netflix, they laid off the entire marketing division <laughs> who was responsible for this. So the fact that they're doing a second one is shocking to me. Maybe they'll announce season two of Sandman. The, the only thing I'm excited for is the potential <laughs> for Sandman season two announcement. But yeah, the, they'll have trailers and teasers for some yeah. of their upcoming projects. It's like their D23, but with a Netflix budget. I'm still laughing at your description because it reads like they finished the first event and then they're just like, oh, and by the way, just keep driving. You are so <laughs> unbelievably fired. <laughs> All right. So, Tim, is there anything worth talking about from the box office this weekend? Oh, God, no. <laughs> uh, remember when 10 million was like, oh, that's that's not that great. Uh, yeah, that that wins you the weekend now if you're the movie Barbarian. Uh, yeah. Which apparently was a, a Fox production. Yeah, that, and has that, great reviews. That Disney, I guess, went ahead and tossed out there under the 20th century banner. But yeah, that was your top movie. Uh, your number two movie was a Indian film that took in 4.5 million. It's just, just sad news all around. This weekend, we do have The Woman King, which is also getting very good reviews. Mm-hmm. But I, I don't think it's going to be the thing to bring audiences back. This is uh, this this is ugly. Yeah, pretty niche. It did Honestly, have a Thursday kind of, of 1.7 million, King, yeah. but I, I don't think people are going to remember this one fondly <laughs> when, when we look back at, at how much it ended up making. All right. Well, then how about we talk about the streaming ratings instead? Absolutely. Even though this week that's not too much more interesting. <laughs> uh, we do have the Nielsen streaming ratings for Monday, August 15th through Sunday, August 21st, 2022. And yeah, not, not a big week, but let's see what we've got. Uh, your top show is still Sandman, 946 million minutes for its 11 episodes. So maybe they are holding on to that season two renewal for that to dumb event, but renew it. Yeah. Just, just go ahead and tell us already. Like 
geez, you you have a month's more data than we have available to us. So come on, actually, you you even put the data on your website. You you actually released your data. It's still doing pretty good. Just just say go ahead. Yeah yeah, get a second season. Uh, Stranger Things is still in second, 919 million minutes. So finally under a billion after a couple months. But just like we saw with Ozark, it'll be here through the end of the year, most likely. It's amazing how the big streaming, the big hits just slide and list very, very slowly as people yeah. either just discover it again or go back and rewatch it. I'm not sure. Yeah, not not to spoil anything here, but we don't have a single entry on the ratings this week over a billion minutes. Yeah, not even in the, not even in movies. We come close. We have you know, a couple of things with 900, but yeah, nothing over a billion this week. It was the dog days of summer, August, but people were hopefully out enjoying themselves before heading back to school. Mm-hmm. There was not, not nothing, nothing new and exciting uh, that hit had a hit streaming this week anyway. So mm-hmm. yeah, I get it. It's there. They can't all be winners. Uh, Never have I ever returned last week up to, to third, 883 million minutes for the first week of availability for its third season. So that's excellent. Do we know how long are these episodes hour long? Uh, I don't think we've discussed that. It is a it is a dramedy. So no, they actually half hour episodes. So that that's outstanding. Yeah, that really is. Then whenever we do this calculation, we need to keep in mind dramas generally last fifty to sixty minutes, whereas the sitcom stuff is twenty to thirty five minutes. So you really theoretically should double these numbers when you ever you hear it's a comedy. That's the equivalent of one point seven billion minutes. I mean, that's astounding. Yeah, this is a absolute smash hit for for Mindy Kaling. It is going to have one more season next year, but yeah, she can basically do whatever she wants right now. Whether it's another streaming program, movie show, what it, you know, whether she's the creative force behind it or, or or stars in it, she's doing very well thanks to this show. Lock and Key is in fourth, seven hundred seventy-six million minutes for twenty-eight episodes total, and then we do have something new in fifth. This is Untold, uh, six hundred thirty million minutes for seven total episodes. Now, this is a documentary series that is Netflix's equivalent of Thirty for Thirty. They are sports documentaries. There was a a first season that arrived in twenty twenty-one of five episodes, each released weekly. The first one was about the malice at the palace. The the, the brawl at the NBA game in 2004, which is pretty interesting. The rest were not so much, but it, it returned this week with the story of Untold, the girlfriend who didn't exist, where football player Manti Teo was catfished. And people remembered that story and definitely checked out this documentary that arrived on the 16th. And yeah, that's that's a very solid number for, for this. At least it's not something about like murdering people. Manti Teo was pretty much the first famous person publicly catfished so this is one of those stories that comes with just a huge wow factor i figured this one might might break into the the ratings and there is a chance that the series hangs around because they they did release these four episodes weekly uh we did mention them on what's new for those weeks there is one called the rise and fall of and and one the sportswear brand which i definitely remember and then operation flagrant foul about the you know crooked nba referee or referees, depending on who you ask. Uh, so th- this one could hang around for a couple of weeks is because they it is adding episodes over the next two weeks. But that's actually a pretty solid number because people definitely remember this story. He did not have much of an NFL career, but if you mention the name, people will go, oh yeah, wasn't that the guy who, let's say, got catfished or yeah, made up a story about a girlfriend? And while he was always overrated as a prospect, that is also one of the reasons he didn't have a career because as you might imagine, oh, the fans in visiting towns were somewhat ruthless about this whole thing and justifiably so oh he went in the second round wow geez tim he was gonna go first round before this story broke (laughs) 
that's not a joke. Totally, I totally forgot that, but, but I, he I believe it. He was supposed to go in the top 10 because everything Notre Dame gets wildly overrated. <laughs> Notre Dame fans, please direct all your hate mail to David. Oh, no, this is making the podcast. We're talking about the NFL draft. <laughs> Rolls having Rolls, Rolls tuned out and counting down the minutes till his flight. Okay, moving on. We have Virgin River still here in six, 629 million minutes for 42 episodes. Amazon Primes, a league of their own, 574 million minutes for eight episodes, the first full week of its availability. Yep, that's absolutely fine. Really has that niche level where they're solid hits. You always know they're going to be in that 400 to 700 million range, don't they? It's impressive. Yeah, again, I think it's a limitation of Nielsen's model and extrapolation. But yeah, they they always seem to have have a specific range of, of where their shows land. Yeah, it's actually interesting because Amazon just announced that they have specifically hired Nielsen to handle all of the ratings data for NFL football, which means that at some point in the next few days after this podcast airs, you're going to hear about all of the people who watch via their phones, via their televisions, via their video game consoles all of it because Amazon wants to brag about the largest number possible. With the the push for live sports on the streaming services, I would love to be able to talk about the sporting events landing in, in the top 10. Our other new show on the original chart this week is Echoes, 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 Echoes. Uh, it is a eight episode, seven episode, I'm sorry, uh, drama miniseries that premiered on the 19th. 524 million minutes, so that's fine. This was not very well reviewed, though, so I don't really expect to see it again. Was there anybody famous in this? Normally, I know all these, but this one rings no bells. Uh, it has Michelle Monaghan playing two people because they're, they're twin sisters oh. and they've where they've basically just periodically swapped lives. Gotcha. Okay, I follow now. Matt Bomer is uh, the only other name I I recognize on the cast list. But yeah, I think this one is not a terrible number, but I don't expect to to see it take a jump next week. Uh, we wrap up originals with shows we've seen before. Only Murders in the Building, 19 episodes, one more to go, 415 million minutes. So we should see it take a jump next week with the finale and then maybe one more week and then disappear until uh, the third season. And then a Instant Dream Home, we saw that last week in 10, 395 million minutes for eight episodes. Now, one new show that premiered that week that isn't on this list and maybe not necessarily a surprise, given that it's only about 30 minute long episodes, but that's She-Hulk on Disney Plus, which premiered on the 18th. That means we only have about three days worth of data here for She-Hulk. Yeah, it's weird. I feel like the shine or novelty now is off on the Marvel programs on Disney Plus because we aren't seeing those as frequently or or as often. You know, we 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 saw I think we saw I was expecting to see it multiple times, but we saw like Ms. Marvel I think once during its entire run. It is just one 38-minute episode in a short ratings period. Only had 3 days, 38 minutes. The bar was actually fairly high, 395 million minutes. So, yeah, I mean I mean I think expect to see it as soon as next week with the second episode. But yeah, it is it is surprising that we didn't see like I said Ms. Marvel. We saw that once. I think the Star Wars series still have uh, some novelty to them, so we'll definitely see Andor in a little over a, m- a month. But but yeah, I'm, so I'm looking forward to where seeing She-Hulk show up soon. I do wonder, though, if that reflects demographics. Are Star Wars viewers older than Marvel viewers? And Marvel viewers Probably. then yeah. watch on mobile. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that, that definitely has something to do with it, too. Because, yes, as we, we've stated repeatedly, Nielsen does not include mobile viewing in these numbers. Over in movies, this week it is led by Day Shift, a movie we saw last week, 957 million minutes. Sure, why not? I mean, yeah, it's it's a Jamie Foxx movie with a Netflix sheen, but good enough. Yeah, and, Vampires with a famous person, what more and, do you need? And Snoop Dogg. 
do something new in second. This is Look Both Ways, 617 million minutes. And I was like, oh, this is kind of like a sliding doors knockoff, except, uh, you know, is she pregnant or not pregnant? Yeah, I think we actually called for that to be successful. If anything, this is a little bit underwhelming to me. I premiered on the 17th, so it it had actually had most of the week. So it wasn't uh, a Friday release for for Netflix. Usually they do that with their with their movies. So this does kind of see most of the week. So yeah, I would if it was a Friday, three days, I would have said, yeah, this would take take a jump. But this was a Wednesday release, so that's mildly disappointing and may not increase over next week. Uncharted, which won last week, is down to third, 446 million minutes. That's actually a bit of a tumble. Lightyear from Disney Plus, and four, 361 million minutes. Netflix's Sing 2, 328 million minutes. Purple Hearts, 240 million minutes. The Gray Man still here, 233 million minutes. Hey, we have the return of Encanto after a brief vacation of two weeks, 217 million minutes, back in eighth. Prey from Hulu, down to ninth, 212 million minutes. And also returning from Disney Plus, Moana, 189 million minutes in tenth. So Tim, I've got two questions for you when you look at this. First of all, are you ready to just call Lightyear a bomb and Second of all, this prey number, are you ready to call shenanigans on that? Uh, Lightyear is, no, I I think it's fine. I need to see how, if it hangs around for another, if it does not hang around for another month, then yeah, I would call it a a, a big flop. I do think audiences though are, you know, I know it, it did, didn't do terribly great at the box office, didn't, didn't outright flop, but wasn't up to expectations. But I, I do think audiences just expect the Pixar content on Disney Plus now and... Mm, I don't know. I have to see. I need a few more weeks of data before I before I call it disappointment. All right. How about this? Instead of flop, would you agree it's a least case scenario result for something like this? Yeah. I mean, three weeks in, it's already down to three hundred sixty-one million minutes. Uh, yeah. That that's that's underwhelming. That's probably not where I expected it to be. I mean, I didn't expect Encanto in, in numbers, but I expected something maybe a, a notch below what we saw turning red do and this isn't it so yeah that that is underwhelming compared to what our expectations were for uh, a pixar movie as far as prey goes uh, how many other original big original movies have has hulu really had you know i remember palm springs and not much else so i mean i i do believe that oh someone's being a bad fanboy there was that stupid john Cena <laughs> and vacation friends yes yeah <laughs> the one that i hulu trolls us every time we watch only murders in the building it always tries to start play on that and we won't let it is that what is that what it tries always. okay i'm you know always the next thing it we wants should to show we us. should compare that because for, for me it wants me to watch nine perfect strangers <laughs> Yeah, I, I don't. That I seems don't more appropriate, though. Yeah, I I don't understand that, but yeah, that's it. <laughs> I, I did maybe you know slip Hulu a couple bucks so that it would play Vacation Friends for you, but um, yeah, I I would believe it was their biggest movie, and but the, as I said before, it's the limitations in the the tracking for Nielsen. I mean, there was probably some second screen stuff here because this was I saw all I saw online was like, wait, this movie's actually good. You must watch Prey. So I imagine people you know pulled up their their phones or tablets and, and watched it. There rather than you know pulled up a TV with with Hulu because most TVs don't have Hulu. I could see it where yeah the same demographic that is buzzing about Prey online is the demographic that's going to watch it on mobile. So okay sure fair enough. It's just disappointing that in its uh, what is this its third week now on the charts it, yep. it it has not reflected in the TV viewing any kind of bounce from the buzz. Right. So if it did get a bounce it was entirely on mobile. Yeah. And, and I mean, maybe the balance is even that it's that it's here for more than a week after all, because oh, yeah. Hulu, Hulu movies tend not to, to hang around too, too, too long. Well, we're 
we're all saying is we'd really like to see the methodology involved because we know that what we're watching isn't quite right, and we're not sure how we're wrong or whether we're wrong. Yep. Uh, Acquired, meanwhile, is 10 shows we have seen before. This week, led by NCIS, 810 million minutes. Uh, Bluey, still here in depth, down to third, 681 million minutes. So I I was completely prepared for it to not be on the list at all this week, just to mess with us. And there was some kind of weird aberration in their, in their calculations. But no, it's that's, that's still pretty good, especially since it's actually been a while since we've seen it before it suddenly returned at, at number one last week. 100% sure they've changed their methodology somehow mm-hmm. there. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, they, the Nielsen goes ahead and ruins the joke because we do have all three HBO Max shows that we've seen before on the list this week, ruining my, my gag that we had a limit of two because Game of Thrones in fifth, 559 million minutes, Big Bang Theory in sixth, 475 million minutes, and Friends, 467 million minutes in seventh are all here this week. And just to be clear, folks, the new thing is House of the Dragon, which means it does have a different title. That is not the ratings for it. This is people going back and watching Game of Thrones now that they have some distance from that abominable final season. <laughs> it was so fascinating how people were so hyped from that and it just immediately became hate watching like after like one episode. But yeah, not a exciting week in ratings, but we do have stuff coming. I am now expecting to see She-Hulk after we had that discussion. We also should have House of the Dragon next week because that premiered on the 21st. And we know from a press release that 10 million people watched, out of which only 2 point, I think it was 1 million, 2.1 million watched on HBO proper, the old way of doing television. So that's 7.9 million people, Tim. How much of that blind spot is Nelson going to cover, do you think? Ooh, not not a whole lot i am curious though because i wonder so so these ratings go from monday to sunday and the house of the dragon which game of thrones also did episodes are dropping on sunday so did they was it too late in the day for them to calculate it did they need more than you know uh, 24 hours to calculate it before including it in in the week how it is curious that it's not here but if i do not see it next week i will be mildly perturbed if it's not there next week that's on nilson not yeah, anything else. Ab- uh, yeah absolutely absolutely we also may have the arrival of me time next week as far as movies go but uh yeah pretty quiet week but you would expect for mid to late august but hopefully things pick up soon all right we wrap it up with what's been keeping us busy over the last week and i have been playing a lot more disney dreamlight valley i'm sure david will confirm it's a really fun game it's got a lot of buzz right now there's a lot of missions and different tasks to accomplish it's kind of my favorite sort of game so really enjoy it also just got to shout out the harley quinn season finale which we didn't know was the season finale until the day of which made us very sad but they had a great season i have absolutely loved what they've done with the Joker this year, and I am looking forward to season four. And we also have been watching Star Trek Lower Decks, which is fantastic. I can't recommend it enough. It's easily the best 
of the Star Trek shows, in my opinion. Raul, how about you? In my attempts to catch up on good streaming content from the last six months or so, I binged all of Severance on Apple TV Plus on a Saturday night. I was surprised that I was able to get through the whole thing in a single night. It was not a short night. I believe <laughs> it's nine episodes. So it took me from Saturday afternoon all the way late into or early into Sunday morning. Mm -hmm. But it had me hooked and I didn't want to stop watching. And so yep. I yep, watched the whole thing. <laughs> I was going to say, I'm not surprised to hear that. Once I started, I also did not want to turn it off. It is not what I was expecting. I figure I'd give the first episode a try. Uh, I'd heard a lot of good things about it, but the styling of it in the trailers and really the, the language used to describe it was a bit of a turnoff. I didn't want necessarily something that was going to be all cerebral or conceptual or even abstract. I didn't want to go to uh, the Museum of Modern Art. I wanted to go to the Met. Well, as it turns out, out. Yes, it's great, but at the same time, don't make the mistake I made. It's a fantastic thriller. Mm -hmm. it, is, it is just a, a, a damn fine thriller yeah. uh, with intrigue and, and stuff happening behind people's backs and mm -hmm. someone solving a mystery. And let's be clear, after season one, there's still more mystery to come. Not everything has been addressed, but season one ends on a fantastic climax. That last episode gets you to that fireworks factory. Everything you want to happen happens in that last episode. And there's still more. You really mm -hmm. wonder, it's like, how do they put the genie back in the bottle after that episode? So I'm very curious about what's happening in season two, and I really want to get into it. Briefly, this is a drama on Apple TV+. Plus about employees at a corporation who have opted to undergo a medical procedure that separates their private lives from their work lives. And so every day when they come into work, they go through a process and they become a different person with no memories of their personal lives. And then they do their work. And then at the end of the day, they go through that process again and they enter their personal lives and have no recollection of what they did at work. And as you would expect in a scenario such as this, there's clearly shenanigans going on. And so in essence, there's two people who are the same people trying to figure out what the other people are doing. <laughs> it's weirdly cryptic and mysterious, but also incredibly enthralling. The cast is led by Adam Scott, who I enjoy. He's pretty good. He plays opposite Britt Lauer, who I really haven't seen in much of anything, but she is great. Patricia Arquette uh, plays mm -hmm. a, uh, a nemesis in this one, and she does it great. There's a, a really strong supporting cast, including John Torturo, Christopher Walken, and, and a bunch of unknowns, honestly, that, yeah. that really stand up really well up against a cast like this. It's strange fascinating and entertaining don't don't think you're going to come away from this feeling like down or thinking that you've wasted your time this is a, a really entertaining series and a great mystery and a, totally worth your time yeah absolutely and i'm very much looking forward to season two tim how about you 
I will be honest. I had a not so great week, mostly at work and didn't really have time to get into anything. Hopefully I have a situation that will improve soon and we'll have more nonsense in the future. But cautionary tale, please don't make the same poor life choices that I did. Do find the time for some self-care and, and enjoyment. And hopefully I can talk about something exciting next week. We love you, Tim. We really uh, do. Uh, thank you. I told you, Tim, exotic dancer, that was not the way to go. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Thank you. All right, David, how about you? So as Kim knows, I did a rare thing this week. I actually had a small amount of free time because Grammarly told me last week, and I know it was wrong, but Grammarly told me I wrote more than 100,000 words the previous week. And something has to give when you're in the territory of what was legitimately between 60 and 70,000 words. If you're writing 9,000, 10,000 words a day, you need some break. So I kicked on Madden Football and I second screened Reacher on Amazon. And I have 30 minutes left of the series because I watched everything else in one sitting. It was seven and a half episodes. And my thought all along was... This guy's CGI is worse than the Incredible Hulk because I kept showing Kim times where he looked so fake. That guy is not natural, is he, Kim? No, he doesn't look right at all. He, his body is, honestly, it reminds me of one of the Umbrella Academy characters who is shaped like yeah. a gorilla. There's just something about him that seems photoshopped and not in a good way, like someone learning Photoshop for the first time. And these are mean things to say, but I'm pointing it out because Jack Reacher is supposed to be a block of moving granite, and this guy is. It is really, really impressive how well they've gotten it right. And the story of this surprise me. I did not know that it would be set in one place the entire season, and th that kind of caught me off guard. And they also did something, basically, they refrigerated a family member, which I'm never crazy about when you take that approach. But overall, Reacher is a surprisingly good series, and I had frankly not expected that. And the other thing we have to say, Kim already touched on it, Harley Quinn only being 10 episodes this year, in a way, broke my heart. But the way they did this season, it was one of the best demonstrations of what a supportive, healthy relationship looks like that I've ever seen. Because it reminded me so much of what Kim and I have, where, you know, we'll be rubbing each other the wrong way. And then, you know, we'll both just go like, hey, and by the way, do you want to, and we'll just do subconsciously nice things for each other because we like each other. We want each other to be happy. These are DC supervillains. And yet they have that same healthy relationship and it is inspiring to watch. I was thrilled with this season and I don't know how many more times I can say this. If you're not watching Harley Quinn, you're cheating yourself out of high quality storytelling. Thank you for listening to Streaming Into the Void. Please consider subscribing via Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And we welcome your feedback. Remember that we're on social media at Streaming Void and online at streamingintothevoid.com. If you like what you're hearing, please consider rating us and giving us a review in your favorite podcast player. Be sure to watch for us again next week. <laughs>